Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Longhorn Confidential Podcast is brought to you by Zaxby's. Zaxby's taking chicken to a whole new level of flavor. Stop by your neighborhood Zaxby's today or order at Zaxby's.com. Hello, Texas fans. This is the Longhorn Confidential Podcast for Thursday, October 10th. We are two days away from the Red River Shootout. Pow, pow! We're also exactly 21 years removed from the longest play in Texas history, which was a 97-yard pass from Major Applewhite to Wayne McGarrity in a 34-3 win over the Sooners. Good day. I'm Danny Davis, the Austin American Statesman. As always, I'm joined by Mike Craven. Mike, say hello. How's it going, guys? Uh, since this is a recruiting podcast, we're going to open this podcast by talking about recruiting. Hey. And specifically, since it's OU Texas Week, we're going to talk about Oklahoma. Now, Mike, obviously, Texas is a hotbed of recruiting. Um, a lot of uh, Texas kids are on the Texas roster, and a lot of Texas kids are on the Oklahoma roster. But you flip it around, and that is not the case. There are not a lot of Oklahoma kids on the Texas roster. In fact, only two, um, Casey Thompson, Reese Lieta, quarterback tight end. Uh, Texas did get a Jambari Chisholm a couple years ago from a, a Oklahoma Junior College, but I don't know if you count him as an Oklahoma kid. Um, so my question to start the thing off is, what is the Oklahoma recruiting scene like? Is there a lot of talent in Oklahoma? Um, obviously, Texas a couple years ago went and tried to get Ron Tatum from Oklahoma City, I believe it was, and got him to commit, and then Oklahoma flipped him. He's no longer on the Oklahoma roster. but So obviously, there is some talent up there, but you know, what is that recruiting scene like? Sparse. You know, here at Texas, or here in Texas, you, know, you can almost go to any 5 or 6A game in the state and find a couple of guys that are good college football players. They may not be OU or Texas good, but you know there's going to be some Power 5 or at least some Conference USA type talent on the field. In Oklahoma, it's really concentrated, and I don't know if maybe they're a little bit more lax with their transfer rules than our UIL is, uh, but there's you know five or six power programs in Oklahoma that tend to have most of the talent. Booker T. Washington is one of those. Uh, Demarius Houston uh, was committed last year, uh, and then he decommitted as well. So there is talent up there. It has been tough for Texas to kind of make any imprint in there because it's not it's not like Texas. Like If you live in Oklahoma, you're probably from Oklahoma. Your parents are probably from Oklahoma, et cetera. Texas is such a uh, move-in, move-out state these days that I don't know if there's the same ties there. Now, I have a question. You know, if Texas goes out and finds an Oklahoma kid that they want, chances are Oklahoma and Oklahoma State also know about this kid. Mm-hmm. Is it tough to get those kids to leave the state if the Sooners and Cowboys come calling? Is that one of those things where, you know, like you said, you're probably from the state, your grandparents are from the state, people want you to stay in-state. Um, is it tough to get pry those kids away from Oklahoma and Oklahoma State? It's tougher than it is in most states. You know, I, I think LSU owns Louisiana better than anybody owns the state. But if we take away LSU, yeah, Oklahoma is one of those schools where if you grow up in Oklahoma, I mean, you're a Sooner most likely, unless you're you know, a, an Oklahoma State fan, and that's kind of few and far between in the major cities. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I just I think it's one of those things that's just ingrained in you. 
and specifically over the kids' lifetimes that we're talking about now, OU's been the dominant team in the Big 12. So there's no there's no real reason to go to the other side because it's not like they can sell that they're going to win more or have more opportunities to be on TV or anything like that where uh, some of the guys in Texas, you know, they run out of room at Texas. At Oklahoma, you're going to try to take as much in-state talent as possible because just like for Texas here, it builds, you know, connections for future talent. Although the best player from last year's class from Oklahoma, Dax Hill, is at Michigan. So it's it's possible uh, to get those guys out, out of there if, if you can. Um, with this 2020, maybe 2021 class, are there any kids from the state of Oklahoma who are kind of on Texas's radar? Or is Texas kind of focusing on the Lone Star State and maybe, you know, California, Florida? Yeah, here's the, you know, Texas can kind of, with its, the way it's performing now and the way that Tom Herman has the recruiting momentum going forward right now, I don't see, I don't think we see another class like 2019 where there was 10 dudes from out of state. It's going to be 85, 90% Texas guys. I mean, eight out of the eight in the 2020 class or 2021 class right now are from the state. There's only three in 2020 um, from out of the state. So I think that was an, an admiration and something that, um, Texas had to do last year. I don't think Texas does it as much, and I don't believe there's a player with an Oklahoma offer right now within the 2021 or 2022 class. Now, obviously, Texas and you know Oklahoma are going to be battling for the same kids, not just in the state of Oklahoma, but in Texas and around the area. On Saturday, Texas is going to see a couple kids, and Ronnie Perkins and Nick Bonito, a defensive end and the linebacker that they wanted in previous classes but missed out and those kids are now you know, starting for the Sooners or getting significant snaps for the Sooners. Uh, what are your impressions of those kids and what do you remember about their recruiting? So I saw Ronnie Perkins at the opening back when it was still in Oregon and it was awesome. That was way better than it is now when it's in Dallas and 115 degrees. Uh, he was really good. I mean, I, I really like Ronnie Perkins. If he was two or three inches taller, I believe he would have been a five-star recruit. Just not quite that six-five body frame that you want in an elite defensive end. Uh, Nick Benino, I saw at the Under Armour All Star Game down down in Orlando. He flied, flew around the football and made his uh, commitment to Oklahoma. There, Texas was high on both of them. Ronnie Perkins is a St. Louis kid, and as we know, Texas really likes to to recruit the St. Louis area these days. And where OU and Texas are, are meeting up the most, DFW is number one. But outside of DFW, it's the out-of-state kids. You know, it's the non-Oklahoma, non-Texas kids that o- that Oklahoma and Texas really get into battles for. They were able to win on Perkins and Benito, uh, but that was a couple cycles ago when Herman was still kind of selling hope. Uh-huh. You know, it's a little bit different now, uh, especially with you know a win last year over o- Oklahoma. So those guys are probably going to be two players. Texas here, Texas fans here, their name called a few times defensively for Oklahoma. They're they're good football players. It is time to go around the 40 acres where we kind of recap all the hard work you put in on hook'em.com and your dotted mm-hmm. line uh, column. Uh, last weekend you saw John Tyler cornerback Keaton Crawford play. Had a pick six, which is nice. He also had a longer touchdown catch and was the team's leading rusher. Uh, obviously he's a cornerback, a lot of cornerbacks in this upcoming class. Is there any chance he switches that positions at Texas or is he a cornerback that we'll see uh, being coached by Jason Washington in a couple of years? I think he stays at corner. If there's a move to be made, and I don't know if this would be a really considered a move, nickel may be a spot where he he gets an opportunity because he's super physical. You know, he's not he he's not the six one six two guys that Texas has been recruiting at corner since Herman got here. He's probably the shortest cornerback other than Deshaun Jameson 
uh, since uh, Herman got here. And I think nickel may be uh, the spot for him. Uh, Quandre Diggs is probably the name that comes to mind. Just body build. He's just like kind of a, a squatty, just tough East Texas kid. Uh, so I think he stays in the secondary, but like he showed uh, this weekend, he's just a great athlete, and that's what East Texas kids are, just great athletes you have to mold into football players. Uh, Tuesday, I believe it was, either, is either Tuesday or Monday, flip, flip it with the, Ke- the Keaton story, but you um, wrote about Kamar Wheaton, the 2021 mm-hmm. running back. Um, Texas obviously high on him. You know, Texas high on all five-star kids. But my question is, with them getting Bajan Robinson, does that hurt their chances at getting a Kamar Wheaton? Would a, he want to follow another five-star kid um, in back-to-back classes? I think kids are getting smarter about depth and the need uh, to share a backfield specifically at running back. You know, most of these guys, if you talk to them, they want to get into the NFL. And the statistics show that the running back position is the most dangerous and the hardest to stick around in the NFL. You don't want to show up there with 700 carries. You know, Mm -hmm. you you want some help. You kind of want it to be like Alabama where you really don't get that bulk of the carries until maybe your last year on campus. So I think for Texas, they'll want to add other star players to that backfield. I think Bajan will want to add other star players to that backfield. And it just becomes easier when you have two or three guys that can go in there and rotate because as we've seen on the field, you just simply can't ask a running back to carry the ball 25 times anymore. It's just not, not something that happens in modern football. So I don't think it hurts to get Bajon Robinson. Uh, Just the style of play Texas plays makes it tough to recruit sec uh, style running backs because they can go play in a more traditional uh, backfield. Um, So, but he was, he was really good and considered the number one running back in the nation right now. I don't know if that stays, but he was, he was pretty impressive. Yeah, I think the Texas fans are remember that uh, I believe it was a 51 carry day by Deontay Foreman up in Kansas. I think those days are yeah. behind us, and that's for the best for the kids and for the <laughs> programs. Right. That's just it's kind of irresponsible to give someone that much work in a Power Five conference. It's like a pitch count now. You know, I mean, you used to just you know throw for eight nine innings a game. Pitchers pretty much through complete games, and you know, as the medical science started showing us, you just shouldn't pitch. You know, 100 120. Uh, pitches every single game and it's the same thing with running backs you just those injuries there are too much to ask those guys to to get a pounding by dudes that all they do is work out now like that's the thing the defensive guys are just monsters now and it's just tough if uh you know kamar does end up signing with texas he'll be a fellow 2021 signee with edutavian sanders who you caught up with a couple weeks ago uh, we played our interview with Billy Bowman um, two weeks ago, and he's a teammate of Jatavian at uh, Denton, Denton Ryan. Jatavian's a first-level guy, plays wide receiver and defensive end, which is a interesting combination. Mm-hmm. Um, but let's listen in on his interview with you, and uh, we'll uh, hear what he has to say about the Longhorns. Here with Jatavian Sanders of Denton Ryan, uh, a great game today. Uh, you're another guy who plays both ways and can do yes, a lot sir. of different stuff. Kind of, where do you plan on playing in college? If is that even too early to even talk about? Uh, I think they offered me for DN, but if not, uh, I'm going to play whatever they want me to play so I can benefit from the best. How much do you enjoy getting to play both sides of the ball and being uh, on the field so much? Uh, I love it playing with my boy Billy on both sides of the ball, uh, making. Making, creating turnovers and making plays on the offensive side of the ball is amazing. Where do you see the most improvement from being an underclassman to now being one of the upperclassmen? Uh, I remember being in the underclassman shoes last year. I was a young pup. I didn't really get going until about the third game. So I'm trying to – they all the younger classmen like my little brother, I'm trying to get them going early now. 
How hard is it just confidence, right? I mean, just kind of getting out here in varsity and just kind of figuring out that it's football. Yeah, you gotta you gotta know you gotta know that you can dominate uh, at the uh, higher level. Uh, what made Texas, you know, your decision at all the offers and everything? Um, when I first got the offer and I went down there, I thought it was an amazing place. Like Billy said, it felt like home. Like all the coaches treated me well. I loved their place. All their food, uh, all their players is amazing, and I mess with all of them. How uh, I asked Billy the same question, but how important is it for you to kind of keep the Dallas guys, you know, kind of stay close with those guys, eventually bring them all off? Um, I'm o- I know we, me and Billy both know some of them, but like he said, we trying to get uh, accomplish this goal this year that we couldn't the past couple years. I feel like guys are committing earlier and earlier now, right? Yeah. What What are your thoughts on that? Kind of why did you feel like comfortable enough to kind of pull the trigger? Because uh, Texas was someone that most interested me, and I wouldn't want them to offer any other DN or tight end in my class and have them commit there first. All right, man. All right. Appreciate it. Stay healthy. Yes, sir. Mike, I only got to listen to this, uh, you know, two-minute inter- interview with uh, – Young Jatavian, but I really like the kid from what from what I heard. You got to meet meet him in person. You know how impressive of a of a kid is he? I mean, it really it felt like talking to a peer. And there's some kids that are like that. Caden Stearns was like that. Joseph Asai was like that. Where you know my job is to talk to a bunch of teenagers all the time, so you kind of get a feel for them. And and he was mature beyond his years. Some of that size. I mean, he's just he's already a big dude, six three, two twenty. So I'm sure he's matured. A little bit more than than his peers like you said wide receiver defensive end is a pretty odd combo and it just shows the athleticism he has at that size to eventually play either defensive end or be backer depending on how much he grows over the next two seasons yeah i don't know if i see a guy who plays defensive end and call it in high school becoming a wide receiver at texas but what do you see him playing at texas what's his best uh what's his best role coming coming up I, I think it's a Joseph Asai type role. I think he's a defensive end in high school that can also play some B-backer, will be a really good uh, blitzer off the edge and has the athleticism to maybe even play uh, other positions at the linebacker spot. I mean, I think Osai could play, you know, Rover next year when McCulloch is gone. So just a guy, you know, one of those dudes that he's, they're, they're recruiting him so young now that you just don't know how the body, you know, he could graduate at 260 pounds. He could stay this size. So some of it just depends on his natural progression as a human. Now, obviously, with him and Billy Bowman being from Denton Ryan, that's uh, for those who aren't near a map, that's the DFW area. Um, how important is te- that area going to be for Texas going forward, especially since Oklahoma has been rolling under Lincoln, Lincoln Riley, and they also have that er- they have their eyes on that very talent-rich area? Yeah, I mean, I would imagine in, in DFW, Texas runs up against Oklahoma in recruiting battles more than they do any other school. And, and that's just because they're the two best teams that are closest to that area. You know, Norman is about as, about halfway, I think. I mean, maybe even closer uh, than Austin is. And so for those parents up there, it's really easy to get to Norman as it is to get to Austin. So recruiting trips are easy to get up there you know going to visit them is easy to get up there probably takes less time because the traffic going north is much easier than it is 35 to austin Uh, so oklahoma has a lot of things going for it and that's before the jordan brand for example and that's before you start talking about four straight big 12 championships and offense that you know looks really fun to play in et cetera et cetera so yeah, it's it's uh it is a battleground recruiting area for Texas. They're doing better in 2021, and I think some of that has to do with Tom Herman 
looking at the past couple of years and, and seeing Oklahoma beat them to the punch for recruits, and he decided not to let that happen in 2021. All right, we're going to go from DFW. We're going to go down to San Antonio for our recruiting spotlight. Every week we uh, introduce you to a future Longhorn who's not going to be playing football at Texas this week. We're doing baseball again. We're going to shine a spotlight on future baseball player, player Travis Staley. Travis uh, attends San Antonio Reagan High School. This is, upcoming spring will be his fourth year on the varsity roster. Uh, in 2019, this past season, he was the District 27-6A MVP. He hit 407 with 23 RBIs. He'll be signing with Texas as a two-way player, but his future probably as a right-handed pitcher. And good news, Texas fans. Uh, this past season, he went 9-2 with a 1.11 ERA and 110 strikeouts. And San Antonio Reagan's a Class 6A school, so those are impressive numbers mm-hmm. for a uh, Class 6A athlete. Um, I asked Reagan coach Rodney Chapman to describe Travis in one word. Coach Chapman chose competitor. Why? Quote, he wants to be in the big moments and pitch in the big games. When the game is on the line, he's the guy we want on the mound or at the plate. He believes he can get the job done no matter the situation. So certainly doesn't seem like this young man is lacking in confidence, which is a good <laughs> thing for anyone that's coming to the University of Texas. Anyone in general. Uh, he committed to Texas in December 2017. When he arrives, he'll join a long-running argument about who is the best quarterback in the UT dugout. Uh, Cameron Fields may still be around. Grayson Lepke, Zach Zuby all played quarterback in high school. Cam Field is probably still the front runner for that uh, argument because um, he had scholarship offers coming out of yeah, coming out of high school to play I'm quarterback. Taking, I'm taking Fields with the number one pick there. But uh, Travis will have an argument. He uh, just threw two touchdowns this past weekend, and Reagan's uh, or two weeks ago, Reagan had to buy this past week. Um, in a 23-7 win over rival Churchill. So, yeah, he can throw it around, probably still chasing Cam, but maybe he can go for that number number two slot when he gets here. Uh, Mike, it's time to talk about your upcoming plans. I know you're uh, you know, going to be rooting this during the week for the Atlanta Braves, but during the weekend, what are, yes, you, what are you doing this weekend? I'm staying local, Danny. It's an exciting time for me. Don't, don't have to pick up that mileage? Don't have to pick up that mileage. You know, the Texas OU game being at 11, I didn't want to be driving back uh, that late on a Friday and have that quick turnaround. So... Thursday, going to see Maynard, Princely, Umana Milan. I probably didn't say that correctly, but I never do, and he knows that I can't, so I'm not going to apologize. He plays against Rouse, so I get to go to Bible Stadium, which... They feed you well up there? It's, it's home for me. That's it's that, right that, in the backyard. That's, uh, that, used to be, that used to be home for me. So Mike is a Cedar Park grad. Yep, that, we played at Bible. Not, that was before Gupton. And so then on Friday, I said that I was going there last week, but I didn't. So I kind of I fibbed, but I didn't know I was fibbing. I was just completely wrong and read my schedule wrong. So I'm going to go to Temple to finally see the wide receiver, Quentin Johnston, one of the top-rated guys in the 2020 class for Texas. So I'll repeat what I said last week and say that Temple is a very yeah. nice stadium. Yeah. It's an old-school old, old school stadium, but they treat you right, and it's a, it's a nice, nice view, all that stuff. All right, uh, gambling time. Ooh. Texas, Oklahoma. Somehow this is a 10.5-point line. Mike, I need you to explain how a rivalry game that – Five of the last six meetings have been decided by five points or less. Texas mm-hmm. has been competitive. Um, even with the Big 12 championship game, that's a game that got kind of turned around turned around late um, you know, as far as whatever that was, like an 11, 12-point game. How is this a 10.5-point spread for a number six versus number 11 meeting in a neutral site? I test and projections. You know, I think a lot of the public is going to bet on Oklahoma just because, you know, Jalen Hurts has been incredible and Oklahoma's won, you know, four or five Big 12 championships in a row. and They seem to kind of, on the outside, I think the perspective is that they, they kind of own that rivalry. And then on paper, you know, Texas has a loss. It couldn't stop LSU's offense. And so I think the the reasoning here is, okay, Texas lost by, what, six or seven to LSU? 
uh, it's Oklahoma, a one score game. It was a one score game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, within seven. So, you know, three points more for Oklahoma isn't isn't asking that much. And remember, the line isn't what Vegas thinks the game is going to end at. The line is where they're trying to get even money. And I believe if they would have made Oklahoma under a ten point favorite, all of the money would have gone on Texas, and so they needed to balance that out a little bit. Good, good, uh, good knowledge there. I'm still staying away. I don't, I, I don't like betting, but I know I, I, I have more faith in it's, Texas. It's than, the Texas secondary as well. Yeah, that, that. I mean, you're going against a, a team that you know averages like 500 yards a game, mm-hmm. and you're without maybe your two best secondary players. So that, that's some of it as well. Yeah, those kids are going to be growing up fast this weekend. Uh, f- you know, before we get out of here, it's mailbag time. As always, if you want to ask a question about recruiting, about the Longhorns, about random topics, which we'll get to in a second, uh, you can find us on Twitter. I'm at AS Danny. Mike is at Craven Mike. Follow us for those mailbag questions or if you just want to follow us for Longhorn content. Uh, we're going to start off on Twitter. Chris Rincone, he uh, asked uh, last week, actually asked on Facebook, I'm sorry, about how the Texas defense stacks up against the OU offense, uh, key players on both sides. Mike, why don't you just say a key player on Texas's defense and um, the OU offense? Uh, Kennedy Brooks, to me, is a big one. Texas has no chance if Oklahoma can run the football. And then defensively, you know, it's got to be somebody like B.J. Foster. They have to figure out how to make plays in the secondary. Yeah, I, I would say Oklahoma, I'm going to grant uh, their tight end. I'm not going to try to pronounce his last name. Uh, the <laughs> tight end, Texas has had trouble guarding the tight end the last couple of years. Um, I think three of the five touchdown passes in the, the two Oklahoma wins um, since Tom Herman got here have been caught by tight ends. So they need to keep an eye on him, even though he doesn't have a lot of catches. Obviously, Texas knows what he can do. He caught two touchdown passes in the Big 12 championship game last year, including one that was caught on uh, – Mr. Foster, who came back last week from a hamstring injury. Um, and then offensively, I mean, the key player is Sam. That's the key player True. for I mean, Texas's, yeah. um, Texas's offense. And defensively, I'd say a key player. You know, I, I think this would be a game for someone like Joseph Asai to you know, really become a household name. He had a you know, good start to his season, um, good end to last season, but you, know, you make your name in the, in the Red River shootout. And then Keandre Colburn, who um, last year kind of – the made bowling headlines ball. because you know he was doing a little smack talk with Baker Mayfield, and he was asked about that this week, and he you know talked about you know wanting to get a chance to actually kind of back up his talk because he didn't get a play in the uh, Cotton Bowl last year because they were doing that balancing his you know which four games he'd use for his redshirt. Talk about a guy who doesn't lack confidence. My boy Keandre Coburn is full of it. I enjoy that young man. You, oh, he's yeah, great. And obviously, it says a lot a lot about a kid when Texas. I believe this was either a second or third straight week they brought him for media availability and you know when you're a redshirt freshman and they are bringing you you know to talk to the media and you're a nose tackle and you're you have redshirt freshman nose tackle that means texas obviously thinks really highly of you because they don't just bring anyone to those weekly things and obviously you know your play is your play is backing it up all right uh steve hops uh, emailed us um um, i'm d davis at statesman.com mike i believe you'd be m craven at statesman.com if you want to hit us up on email he wanted to talk about the recruitment of patrick mahomes um who Obviously, the NFL MVP. Do you have you ever heard of him? Yeah, I've uh, I've heard of the Mahomes. All right, uh, he want uh, Steve wanted to know where um, Pat ranked as a high school senior. Went to White House the 2014 class. He wanted to know kind of how Mahomes' ranking compared to his contemporaries. You know, Tyrone Swoops, J.T. Barrett, Baker Mayfield, who were in the 2013 class. But you know, that's year difference, not that big of a deal. Um, so, Mike, what do you kind of remember about Pat's uh, Pat's recruitment? You know. 
first, we need to remember that Mahomes was an incredible baseball player, and a lot of us thought he would just take the baseball route, so we weren't even sure if he was going to play college football, and that probably kept his profile down a little bit. You're not going to get invited to the huge camps if you're not going to be a future football player anymore. So uh, I don't think a lot of national people saw him. Remember, this is the 2014 class, so the 2013 season, you know, not everybody was putting everything on Twitter back then. It was just... It was tougher to get looks from a place like White House uh, than it is now. And so he went under the radar. He was the 22nd ranked pro-style quarterback. I thought that was funny. I mean, how in the world? And uh, so he was in the 2014 class, 50th ranked prospect in the nation. So in that same class, remember, A&M signed Kyle Allen, five-star from out of state. Texas's quarterback, Gerard Hurd. That was, that was where... Texas went with that. He was a, the second-ranked dual-threat quarterback in the country, so uh, definitely a higher-ranked guy, had a lot more uh, scholarships than, the, than Mahomes, and so I think Texas at the time was trying to go more dual-threat, which is a funny thing to say considering Mahomes is so athletic. Yeah. But Texas wanted more of a run-first uh, quarterback. Gerard Hurd ended up being the guy, and, and uh, the, rest is, the rest is history. And that was one of those things where, you know, you go back to you know, Garrett Gilbert. You know, Texas picked Garrett Gilbert over Andrew Luck and RG3. But mm-hmm. at the same time, Garrett Gilbert was a can't-miss so future number one pick. So right. it, Alabama it, it would have done the same thing. And that, you know, that's the thing. is like Think of the NFL draft and how many guys bust there. And that's with three or four more years of knowledge yeah. like playing against grown people. So if you can watch college football for three or four years and still not know if, how somebody's going to develop – Imagine doing that out of high school. It it is hit and miss. Uh, I don't think if you would have asked Charlie Strong, you would have been like Mahomes. It's a bad quarterback. I think it was just one of those where they found their guy. They thought Hurd was their guy, and you know they never even thought twice about that. Yeah, on Facebook, Don Taylor, uh, Bevo Beat Facebook page. If you want to ask a question there, um, Don Taylor wants to at, talk a little bit about play calling. He wants to know why UT keeps calling short yardage plays on second and long situations, which kind of sets up third and long when they don't work. Uh, Mike, do you have any? Opinions about play calling? I would enjoy a conversation on what a short yardage play is. Because is he just considering it running the ball a short yardage play? Because it's not, mm-hmm. is my kind of point. You know, the coaches don't call these plays thinking they're just going to get a yard. You know, they're, they're expecting that. And what you don't want is third and long, like you mentioned. And so the point of calling that run play on second down is to get half of that yards to a first down and make it third and four instead of third and nine. Now, if it doesn't work, then sure you're in third and nine, but uh, you know it's a safer play than passing the ball. You don't you don't want to just go three and out passing the ball, especially when you're up. And Texas coaches will tell you that every single play they call, they expect a touchdown yeah. off of. But you know the defense gets paid. Yeah. You know, or well, they, not those paid. Kid, those kids are on scholarship yeah. to stop stop those plays, and defensive coordinators are paid to stop them. So yeah, you are setting up more manageable third down plays. It doesn't always work. You also got to remember Texas hasn't had Colin Johnson the last two weeks, mm-hmm. which will. You know, help with your miss. Maybe they'll throw it a little bit more on second down with him, with him out there. Maybe opening up Duvernay a little bit and um, you know giving you know, some more defensive attention. So we'll have to see going forward. But you know, Texas also ranks second nationally in third down conversion, so it seems to be working out for him. And the defense is beat up, and clearly not the strength of the team. So if you're the Longhorns, you're trying to have five, six minute possessions, score touchdowns, and help out your defense as much as possible. Throwing the ball around fifty times a game is just not who Texas is. 
Uh, you know, I kind of like wacky questions, and my our boy Chris Bennett has come through on Twitter. CB. Uh, he wants to know about our favorite fair foods. Mike, you're a Texan. How many times have you been to the state fair, and what do you kind of like uh, to eat while you're up there? I mean, I've been to the state fair at least 10 times. I'm I am very lucky to have grown up in a Longhorn household that allowed me to go to this game pretty much every year of my childhood. I am simple. I go corn dog at the beginning, funnel cake at the end, and I try to fit one kind of new, unique food in the middle. My favorite overall is probably the fried Oreos, and there's a reason. I mean, there's a reason it's caught on everywhere and kind of is sold everywhere now. I mean, that was a life changer for 12-year-old Mike Craven. Yeah, I'll go before the game. This is obviously an 11 o'clock game. I'll try to get the fairgrounds around 8 o'clock or so. I'll walk around. I'll probably do my corn dog, corny dog beforehand before kickoff. After the game, I'll get a little bit more adventurous. I'll try something <laughs> Try something new. There have been some hits. Uh, fried Oreo, there have been some misses. I tried fr- fried chicken skins once Ooh. and just did not enjoy that experience. Just gave them away to some random person who was like, oh. hey, can I try that? I was like, just take the Fried take butter the was thing. tough. It was, it was not good. So there's some hits and misses, but that's for post-game. Uh, my wife is a big funnel cake fan, so she'll, she'll grab that on, on Saturday when she's walking around the fairgrounds. So lots of stuff for people to eat. Are you ketchup or mustard on corn dog? Well, as most people who know about me, which I'm sure is going to cause uh, cause some issues, I'm ketchup. I, oh my god! I do ketchup with pretty much oh pretty much god. anything. Your so Montana is showing. That is that is. My, I guess that's my Montana. But you know what? You know what? We just talked about the NFL MVP a couple of seconds ago, and Mr. Mahomes is a ketchup with steak guy. And if it's good enough for the NFL MVP, it's good enough for all you ketchup haters. And <laughs> that's just growing y'all up. Can, that's just growing, y'all growing can up poor man. Get <laughs> off my case about the ketchup. I'm ketchup ride or die. So. I put it on my eggs do, do, if do I don't have salsa. Uh, I will say that. Uh, you know, one one thing um, our editor brought up to us, uh, Keontae Ingram um, brought this story up this week about you know, him almost, I don't know if he said he almost became a Sooner, but he was talking about how he wanted to go to OU Junior Days and uh, right before his family was about to leave, his little brother threw up and so they kind of canceled the trip and never he never went back. So maybe that played a factor in coming to Texas. So, Mike, which story is more believable? That story the story Tom Herman told on Monday about his first memory of Texas is being on the bus driving in and being flipped off by an 80 year old grandma who was sitting next to her grandson, who's also flipping off the bird, you know, flipping the, the bus, the bird, which seems to be the story that every single person who has ever been on a bus of Texas tells. Which, yeah. yeah. You get flicked off on those buses. I mean, I've ridden with my grandfather into one of those games and there are people that, that shoot you the bird, even children and old ladies. I mean, that is, that is what happens. Uh, what's funny about the Keontae Ingram story is that brother who was throwing up is now a Texas target, committed to Arkansas, <laughs> and one of the top slot wide receivers in the state for Carthage. So it's kind of funny how the little brother becomes old before our eyes. I don't think Keontae Ingram was ever going to be a Sooner. I mean, realistically, if we think about it, if he really wanted to go on a visit, Oklahoma would have paid for an official one at any time during his recruitment. It probably helped Texas. That he didn't go to that junior day, you know, and he went to Texas's. And uh, but in today's world, you know, you can get to these places pretty much whenever you want. There's ways to pay for it on officials and stuff. So if he really wanted to go up there and be there, I believe he would be. I, I do believe his story about why he missed junior day. I'm just not sure if that correlates to he would have eventually been in Oklahoma because you got to remember. There's 20 guys on Oklahoma squad that have gone to Texas's junior day and been in Longhorn jerseys and done the hook'em and all that kind of stuff. And there's 20 dudes on Oklahoma's team or on Texas's team that have gone to an Oklahoma visit and thrown the horn downs on, on photos and stuff. These kids, <laughs> the horror, get, right? The horror. They get courted 
by all of the schools you hate and they pick between the rivals. And I know that's weird for fans, but for the kids, they're like universities. They're big time programs within the Big 12. So all of these kids go visit all of these programs. That's that's nothing that's surprising to me. All right. This podcast is 32 minutes long. So I think it's Woo. time to get out of here. If you're still listening, we appreciate it. We'd also appreciate it if you wouldn't forget to shoot us a review at the Apple Store and the Google Podcast app. We do appreciate that. And we appreciate you tuning in each week. Um, I'll be on the fairgrounds this week, so see me there. Mike will be on the Bevo Beat uh, Facebook page after the game for uh, the postgame show, so join him there. This is the Longhorn Confidential Podcast presented by Zaxby's, and we will see you next week. Peace.